Do you know how to make a decision when you have limited information and are pressed for time? Are you curious to learn information that conflicts with existing beliefs? Do you focus on the results when determining whether a decision was good or bad? Are you willing to bet on the decisions you make? This is episode 25. Make better decisions even when you're uncertain. Hello and welcome to The Incrementalist, a productivity podcast on making big changes in small steps. My name is Diane Williams and I'm your productivity coach and host for the show. When you're making a decision on tough problems, you're always missing key information. Every decision is biased because it's based on limited beliefs, assumptions, and data points. You can never be sure of the outcome. In her book, Thinking in Bets, Annie Duke makes several points about how to make smarter decisions in the midst of uncertainty. A decision strategist, she completed doctoral work in cognitive psychology at University of Pennsylvania before she took a leave of absence. She had a fellowship from the National Science Foundation, but it didn't cover her expenses. Being from a competitive, games-playing family, Her brother Howard suggested she check out professional poker. She began playing in low-stakes games at Billings Bar named the Crystal Lounge. With mentorship, she became a professional poker player, and this became her career for 20 years. She says making decisions is like playing poker. You don't have all the facts. You have probabilities and possibilities. A little trivia about how I first came to know about Annie Duke. When I was in college, I watched her play in a professional poker championship. At the time, I was channel surfing and procrastinating on a class assignment. Duke stood out to me because she was the only female player in the room. I don't play poker and I understand it very little, but I enjoyed watching the players try to read their opponents, call their bluffs, and check, bet, raise, call, or fold. It seemed to be a fascinating and intense game. Later. In 2009, I watched Duke compete on Donald Trump's Celebrity Apprentice. I'm a little embarrassed to say I watched the show, or any type of reality television show for that matter. Anyway, the point is, Duke went all the way up to the finals. Even though she lost to Joan Rivers, she raised far more money at her event for her chosen charity, and more than half of the total amount raised by the other contestants throughout the show. When Duke retired from professional poker in 2012, she had earned more than $4 million in tournaments. And in the process, she observed how people learn and make decisions when they don't have all the facts. She now helps others apply the decision-making process she learned in poker to other areas like business strategies, law, human resources, and financial planning. A bet is a decision about an uncertain future and decisions are bets in uncertain environments. As you seek to learn more, you start to peel back the layers. You become more skilled at finding different pathways and generating creative solutions to complex problems. When a problem cannot be solved with a simple technique or known procedure, 
Being certain will block out conflicting and vital information. The more certain you are, the more close-minded you become. Being uncertain can be a key to success because it opens you up to new ideas, insights, and information to create the best possible future. Thinking in bets improves your decision-making. You can embrace the power of saying, I'm not sure or I don't know. When you fully accept uncertainty, you can stay curious and learn more. You acknowledge that the foundations for your beliefs and assumptions could be weak or faulty. You're willing to consider different paths to achieve the best potential outcome. Whenever you make a decision, you're operating on incomplete information because there's no way to know everything. The most you can do is get the most relevant information in the time you have to make your best bet. Then learn from your successes and failures. The outcome doesn't all come from luck or skill or effort. Much of it comes from the decision-making process that guides your bets. It's hard to admit you're uncertain when being certain is what's valued and rewarded. When you think in bets, you ask questions like, How much am I willing to bet on this decision? How sure am I? How do I know this? Where did I get this information? What is the quality of the sources? How much do I trust these sources? How might I be wrong? What might be the person with an opposing view know that I don't know? What do I know about the person challenging my belief? What am I missing? How else could this turn out? What are the plausible alternatives? When you think of your belief as a bet, you start to view it in terms of probabilities. How confident are you that you are right? You have limited theories, hypotheses, tactics, and strategies. Find fellow truth seekers who are interested in updating their beliefs, expanding their knowledge, and refining their opinions. You're not trying to prove you're right, but seeking to know what's true and real. The people in your support group may have conflicting viewpoints, but you have a common goal, which is to stay open to different perspectives without compromising core values. Support networks like AA and mastermind groups keep their members accountable and committed. They're more like a coach than a cheerleader. Getting an outside perspective helps you to check your blind spots. The more certain you are, the more vulnerable you are to blind spots. You ask What is the best policy, the best option, the best remedy to achieve this desired outcome under these circumstances? You're less interested in who's on your side, who's the in-group, and who are the proponents. The truth-seeking process is rare in political, social, environmental, economic, and other complex areas with multiple stakeholders who have different agendas. It doesn't feel good to be wrong. Cognitive dissonance arises when you have conflicting thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. Mental discomfort arises when attitudes and behaviors are not entirely consistent. Cognitive dissonance often results from complying with requirements we don't really agree with, making decisions, and putting in efforts that don't really pay off. We will take steps to reduce the tension by reinterpreting evidence, rejecting or discrediting new information, or justifying our actions, for example. 
There's motivated reasoning to make justifications for desired decisions and outcomes instead of thinking more objectively. It's easy to stay in your echo chambers through social media and the news sources you follow. But automatically discrediting contradictory information can be a decision trap. It helps to consider a diversity of opinions and viewpoints you disagree with. In an article I posted on my blog in October 2020, I explain why getting out of your echo chamber is essential to thinking clearly and making better decisions. Confirmation bias contributes to division and polarization, where right-wrong, good-evil, dichotomous thinking prevails. Bias by itself doesn't necessarily make you wrong or more intolerant of others you disagree with. But when you don't see the whole picture, i.e. objective facts and evidence, and see only what you want to see, i.e. facts and evidence confirming your beliefs, you end up with suboptimal solutions. The need for certainty is human and vital to survival. It takes deliberate practice to accurately evaluate what you know and don't know. It is necessary to draw a line in the sand and filter out the noise. And it's equally important to consider rational thoughts of others in your own thinking process. The willingness to calibrate and change your mind is essential to growth and expansion. If there is contradictory evidence, you may reinterpret it to reduce discomfort. Or you can let go of the belief when you find contradictory evidence that moves you in another direction. In group decision-making, you could use Dr. Robert K. Merton's ethos of science or kudos approach. It improves how you decide and dissent to win. C is commonality, U is universalism, D is disinterestedness, and OS is organized skepticism. Commonality refers to open communication and exchange the information belongs to the whole group. Universalism is applying the same standards to information or the message regardless of the source or the messenger. You don't automatically accept or discredit information based on the source. When you have a negative opinion of a person, you could miss out on great ideas and insights. This is not easy to do because we're constantly curating our sources and pre-deciding what's good and what's not good. Disinterestedness is searching for the truth and fighting against bias, self-interest, and power. You can maintain strong convictions even as you're willing to be persuaded by conflicting but well-reasoned viewpoints. Organized skepticism is temporarily suspending judgment it's not bad or confrontational. Because you don't know, you're seeking real proof or verification from repeatable experiments and studies, for instance. In short, kudos opens you up to disconfirming information, invites collaboration, and builds understanding of multiple perspectives. When you're thinking in bets, you separate the outcome quality from the decision quality. Although the outcome gives you immediate feedback, you still need to distinguish it from the decision itself. A good outcome or favor result does not always mean you use high-quality decision-making. A bad decision can produce a good outcome, and a good decision can lead to a bad outcome. 
If you don't distinguish the two, it's tempting to reverse engineer in a way that leads you to believe a good outcome resulted from good decision making. This is not always true. Working backwards from the outcome causes you to assume correlation is causation or to focus only on data points that confirm the preferred narrative. Don't rely on luck, merely copy someone else's process because they had a good outcome, or use a random approach to make decisions. Instead, evaluate your own decision making process regardless of the outcome. If you gather the necessary information, assess the probabilities, and consider the different options, you will have fewer regrets about what you did or didn't do, or what you should have done or shouldn't have done. Change your behavior based on the quality of your decision making, not because you had a bad result. You could lose more in the long term if you give up a great strategy just because you were outplayed or had bad luck in one instance. What are some past mistakes you made and how did that affect the outcome? Was it more about skill, luck, or flawed decision making? Were you too rash or too indecisive? Did you think too little or did you think too much before you made the decision? Did you underestimate or overestimate the impact of your decision? In her talks, Duke describes a controversial decision in Super Bowl 2015. With 26 seconds remaining and trailing by four points at the New England Patriots' one yard line, Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll called for the quarterback to pass instead of handoff to the star running back. The pass was intercepted and the Seahawks lost the game. Critics called it the dumbest play and the worst play in NFL history. Was it really? Or was it a great move that was ruined by bad luck? Some dissenting experts argue that it was actually a brilliant choice. Pointing to clock management and end of game factors, and that interception rates were low, about 2%. Duke writes Why did so many people so strongly believe that Pete Carroll got it so wrong? We can sum it up in four words the play didn't work. On the flip side, we often assume that a good outcome means the decision making was good. Resulting means we look at the results to determine whether the decision was good or bad. It is accompanied by hindsight bias, which is the tendency to view the known outcome as being inevitable. The result of Carroll's decision was probabilistic, not inevitable. Skill, expertise, and hard work do not guarantee success. Some of what unfolds comes from luck. Probabilities and external factors beyond your control. There's also information that you just don't know. You can do very well and make smart choices and still lose. Someone else could just be better at playing the game and winning the prize. Even if the odds are in your favor, you can still lose. It's very rare to have 100% probability in success. When you have an 80 20 chance of prevailing, There's still a 20% chance you could lose. Avoid overanalyzing whether your decisions are right or wrong, good or bad. Strive for making the best decisions in the moment.
Seek out more information or decide you've received enough information. Or negotiate more time or decide you've had enough time. When you have limited information and time, just make your best bet. If you make consistently good decisions, you build on your success over time and you become more adept at learning from failures and recovering from setbacks. You build a track record from which you can learn. Think about the decisions you made yesterday, last week, last month, last year that shaped where you are today. Are the results what you planned for? Did they come from other factors besides the decisions you made? When you separate the outcome from the decision, how do you feel about the process you use to make the choices you made? Use the 10-10-10 analysis when making a decision. How will you feel about it 10 minutes, 10 months, or 10 years from now? If you add this project, this meeting, or this class to your calendar, what benefits will your future self gain and what costs will your future self incur? Having confidence does not mean you're certain about the outcome, but that you're making the smartest decision under the circumstances. Consider the potential rewards, payoffs, and upsides, and compare them with the potential consequences, costs, and downsides. How much you are willing to invest depends on the potential for rewards. If the expected value is more than the investment, you're more likely to make a bet. You could do things to mitigate the downsides and maximize the upsides. An example is engaging in an exciting but potentially dangerous sport. If you enjoy rock climbing, you wear protective gear, get proper training, avoid drinking alcohol, practice safety techniques, check the weather, and have a skilled partner or leader to reduce the risk. Do mental time travel to visualize how your future self will view your present decisions and choices. Think about the various scenarios and possible outcomes and how they will affect future you. If you want to or have to get up early in the morning, how will your future self feel if your present self stays up late playing video games or watching TV. Perfection is not the goal. Rather, what will you regret more? Doing this thing or not doing this thing? Imagining the future can help you be more logical and objective instead of emotional and close-minded in the present. You might need to take a leap of faith and say yes quickly in high-pressure, time-sensitive situations. Do the expected payoffs outweigh the potential risk? Then make a bet. Or perhaps you have to go through the experience to have all the information you need. Examples of such life decisions are accepting a new job, moving to a new city or country, getting married, or starting a family. The more high stakes and the bigger the impact, the more information you need to make a good decision. In my book, The Incrementalist, I discuss how to make big changes without going too far out of your comfort zone. Breaking your big stuff into small action steps is principle number two in the incrementalist approach. This helps you to minimize the occurrence of high-pressure, high-stakes situations. You're not in fight-or-flight mode where you rely on the amygdala, lizard part of your brain. By tackling a big thing in more manageable chunks, you can move up to the higher brain center in the prefrontal cortex. This allows you to be more proactive 
ask questions, and make smaller and better decisions with fewer regrets. The Incrementalist ebook is available at leanpub.com/incrementalist. The link is in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and summarize your main takeaways. To support the show, subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have a book or topic recommendation for me, or a productivity question you'd like me to cover, contact me through my website at dinewilliams.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Join me again on the Incrementalist Podcast.